Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I want to talk about the concept of how many know that there's a metaphor that we understand in Scripture that there's spiritual uh, things that we wrestle against? Right? Do you guys believe, you know, in Ephesians 6, it says sometimes uh, we don't realize it, but we're uh, wrestling against not flesh and blood, but sprint, uh, spiritual things. And, and Paul talks about it in, uh, when he writes to the church of Corinth, and he says, you know, taking every thought captive and tearing down strongholds. And so there's this concept also in the Old Testament of uh, like the army of Israel, the army of God. And, and how many know in the New Testament, right, we're not fighting literal battles. We're fighting spiritual battles, but we are too, like in Ezekiel 37, the people of God that are being fit together as like an army, Amen. right? And, and here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, the difference between being an army that just sustains, an army that just, you know, is ready for battle versus an army that is advancing, because I believe that we should be, as the people of God, especially today, we should be advancing. And what does it look like to be an army that advances? Because there's a lot of things going on in the world. I think the church right now, and I love the bride of Christ. I love the body of Christ. And I've learned not to bash the bride. I've learned to honor the bride, call out the gold, not point out the dirt. But that doesn't mean that we can't be truthful about what we see. And some of the progressive church has bowed to ideologies and lies and demonic things to where they don't realize they've literally, uh, you know, turned their heart away from some of the powerful things um, that Jesus wants us to release to humanity. Um, and, you know, one of those things is like standing up for life. And, and the overturning of Roe v. Wade was a big deal. And I've lo- seen in the progressive church, you know, you, you look at some of the progressive church and they're like, oh, you know, this, if you're rejoicing, then, you know, and they, and they make excuses like, well, wait a second. Like, what, what happened to the, the historical Orthodox church, the Christian faith that has stood for life for 2,000 years? Like, where, where do we change our understanding of that? And there's a lot of lies that float around in culture. And we need to wake up right now. Like, I feel like the army has fallen asleep, and some people have, have totally just, uh, you know, um, shrunk back in their position. And I believe that as an army right now, we should be advancing. And so I was drawn to uh, David's mighty men. And there's an account in 2 Samuel 23 where David gives his last words, and there's about ready to be a succession of the kingdom. There, you know, there's, it's like a whole nother level of glory. The latter will be greater than the former. And then there's some stories about David's mighty men. And it talks about these three that were kind of like the main guys. And there was other ones. But I want to talk to you about these three mighty men. And, and there's three things um, that I want to talk to you about, about an army that advances. Not just a sustaining army, but an army that advances. I feel like uh, in the midst of, when I look at this story, I think about the succession of the kingdom to Solomon, and, and then it tells these stories about the mighty men and the insane things that they did. They were the special forces. They were, the, they were like the, they were the guys, right? And, and uh, 
I think about where we're headed as a people, as a community, and there's greater levels of glory God's taking us into, and we're facing some things. There's a battle going on, but in the midst of the succession, there's a reminder of the victory that was won by the warriors. And sometimes in the church, we get very comfortable, like we can in first world living, you know, and then you go on a mission field, and it's like, I, I remember taking my family on the mission field, and I would bring up stories, like if they would fight over an Xbox or something, like, you remember when we were in the Philippines, in the most impoverished area of Manila, and the kids were playing with pieces of paper, that was their toy? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, maybe you could be a little more grateful. Put the Xbox down. Go read a book. Okay, Dad. You know, and we get comfortable in our first world Christianity. We have all the luxuries we need, and we become that army that just kind of steps back. When God is saying, no, it's time to advance, there's a greater glory, there's a, a greater kingdom reign that he's bringing in. And so I was reminded of David's three mighty men. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about three things that an advancing army does, and they're tied to these three main mighty men that we find in 2 Samuel 23. Um, and I would encourage you to read it. You know, uh, I, I'm not going to go in verse by verse here, but I'm going to tie it into the names of each one of these mighty men, okay? So number one, an, an army that advances is a family that is bound together in harmony. Yeah. Can you say amen? Yeah. There's something about family. There's something about like, I, man, you know, I, I, I have one older sister, and we never fought, you know, we were, uh, never had any sibling rivalry. You don't believe that, right? Like, how many of those sibling rivalry is real? How many know marriage problems are real? Relational problems do happen, right? And I think about, like, even my kids, my, my oldest two, and when they were our only ones, there's this idea that we have as parents, like, we need to, uh, you know, like, have another child so our other child has a child to play with. And, you know, and keep them entertained. And then when you realize, like, wait a minute, like, they get at each other's throats and, you know, and they're growing up and they're learning and they're sibling rivalry. And, and growing up, it was like, this is what it kind of looked like. I should have, like, put together a video from, they would, they would have hated me if I did this, Sarah and David. But Sarah was this little mommy, sweet, David, let's go downstairs. It's Christmas. Let's open our presents. And David's like, I don't want girl toys. I want boy toys. It's like what, and he, you know, he was just like a little feisty little kid. Sarah would run up and hug her little brother, and he would just do this like this, which he still does to this day. I don't even know if he's in here right now. I'm messing with him. But to this day, you know, like, here, give me a hug, and he'll just kind of go like that. Um, but there's, there was sibling rivalry that would go on, of course. Any normal family has that, Right. But there's something about the bond of love that supersedes the, the silly difficulties that we have that try to separate us. Like, Sarah knows when it comes down to it, even though he might, you know, mess with her from time to time or all the time, because that's what little brothers do, if somebody was trying to hurt you, he would be the first one to protect you. And there's something about the bond of love 
as an army that supersedes the silly, difficult things that we go through where we fight for one another, not with one another. Come on. And it's the same thing in a marriage. It's the same thing in any relationship where the, the, the offense that you have is not worth the relationship that God has given you. The, the, the things that we allow to separate, the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we allow the silliest things to separate us from our love for one another. Amen. Death and life, principalities, powers, height and their depth, created things, uncreated things, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Nothing, but we allow silly things to separate us from our love for one another. But an advancing army is a family that's bound together. And there's something about that covenant love, that dwelling together in harmony. And it's interesting, the first, the first uh, mighty men, his name actually means dwelling in rest. Dwelling in rest. How many know the Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity? There's a sweetness. There's an overflow. The Bible even go on, it goes on to say that there is an overflow of the anointing oil down Aaron's beard, down to the edge of his garments. It, it affects the entire body. And then it says, that's where the Lord commands a blessing. I want to be where the Lord commands a blessing. I don't know about you. I don't want to be, in, oh, please bless me, Lord. No, no, the Lord commands a blessing when brethren are found together in unity. And a family that is bond together in harmony is an army that advances forward and what God has called us to do. Uh, last Sunday, if you were here, uh, Bonnie brought a great word. And uh, how many are thankful, man, for, the, uh, for what she shared and, you know, stewarding the, the oil, the presence of God in our lives? And, well, when she was preaching, I was on the beach in Cancun. Don't hate me. Don't shout me down. Uh, we had a, a credit. Miss, people are actually booing. Thanks a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We had a credit for, uh, and the kids are out of school, and I'm like, well, we're not going to you know, miss that. So we went five nights, and uh, man, it was just my wife and I and our kids, the first time ever that we, we do this type of trip uh, in Mexico, um, and, uh, and it was just us. And it was like the most intentional, uh, holy time just to spend time together. How many know that there's times where you just got to come together. There's times where you just got to eat. You just got to feast together. Come on. Hallelujah. We're having a barbecue at three o'clock. Youth and family. You know, it's, it's so good to just come together and let our defenses down and let things go and allow God to bind us together in harmony. You know, where we begin to sit at a table, we laugh, we pray, we do something adventurous, we choose to look at one another with eyes of gratitude. You know, married couples usually know when they need a date night, right? Like this is something that you do in relationship. You do, you endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And an army that advances is one that works on that unity intentionally. And we have to do that as the body of Christ, especially now, because if the enemy can divide us, which you even saw with some of the things that happened recently, uh, the enemy will try to use anything. And if I, I've learned, like in the last, if you haven't learned in the last two years, that, that the enemy's going to use political things and all sorts of stuff to divide the church, we should just stay yielded to the lordship of Jesus, and we don't have to worry about being divided under the reign of government and political systems. We cannot be divided in this time. We need to be an army that rises together. Uh, I was reminded of this, uh, this scripture in Romans 4.21. 
and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Can you say amen to that? There's something about being confident in what God has called us to do as an army. So the first mighty men that it mentions here, it means dwelling in rest. And and a family that is bound together dwells in that rest of God. Number two, an army that advances are a people that are fully persuaded of the promises of God. Can you say amen? I don't know what it is, but God gave me the gift of faith. I don't know why. Maybe I'm supposed to share it. How many in this room feel like God's given you the gift of faith? There's just a confidence inside of you. And you know that that faith can grow. You know that faith doesn't have to just stay where it's at. It can actually grow like a muscle. Your trust and confidence in the Lord and his promises and feasting on his faithfulness. You can think about what God has done. and And that faith grows inside of you. And there's something about understanding that we are fully persuaded that God is going to perform what he promised. First Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, listen, this is a word for you. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I speak that over your life. You've said yes to the Lord, and you're wondering why things haven't happened. Stand on the promises of God. I love the second uh, mighty man here, Eleazar, which means God has helped. Are you thankful that God helps us? (laughs) And the Bible says that he was in the battlefield, and he stood his ground, and he became weary, and the sword stuck to his hand. What a beautiful picture that even... When we're weary, we stand our ground as the people of God and we cling to our weapon, which is the Word, which is His promise. And the Bible says that He will perform that which He has promised. And we cling to that. We hold on to that. I love that verse in Corinthians and a couple other translations. It says this in verse 58 in the message, Stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the Master. I love that. So good, man. Stand your ground. And like one of David's mighty men, that we, we as the people of God, that we would stand our ground even when we're weary. Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. And there's a strength of confidence, of faith, and trusting in the Lord. And radical surrender. Like, God, you're going to finish what you started. God, you're my help. And even if I'm the only one on the battlefield, because that's what happened to Eliezer, he's on the battlefield, and they all left. How many have ever felt like you're the only one on the battlefield? All the intercessors know that feeling. They know that feeling. Past senior pastors know that feeling. People in leadership, you know that feeling. But even when you feel like everyone has left, stand your ground. Even when you're weary, let your hand cling to the sword. You know, I remember years ago as a kid, one of my friends was climbing up a tree, and how many know boys do dumb things growing up? I'm so thankful I'm alive. I just, I just want to stop. Thank you, God. I've, I could tell you stories you would not believe. I, this, that's why I'm so protective of my kids. Like, I don't even, you know, like David wants to go uh, skating or rollerblading. I'm like, no, because when I rollerblade, I would hang on the back of cars, do 60 miles an hour. I'm like, no, no, David, just play the Xbox. Okay, praise God. I'm like, I don't want them to do the stuff that I did. 
Um, but one of my friends, I was a young man, one of my best friends growing up in Denver, Colorado, climbed a tree way too high. He should not have been up there. He fell. And he, he flipped probably three times on his way down. So he fell, limb broke or something, flipped all the way down, landed flat on his back. And all I remember is him going, and I'm like, what's going on? Is he dying? Like, I didn't know. I was a kid. How many ever got the wind knocked out of you? Now, I remember in that moment, I don't think I had had the wind knocked out of me before. And I'm just like, man, you were acting funny when you fell. You know, I'm glad you, he was fine. Praise God. Oh, let me tell you the rest of the story. He was fine. Nothing broken. Praise God. Okay. You should be able to read my mind. I'm trying to get through the message here. He's fine. Okay. And uh, <laughs> didn't affect him at all. Thank God. Um, actually, his dad was a cop and his dad, he's like, you felt good, son. You flipped. Yeah. And I'm like, jeez, what? so weird so he landed flat on his back wind knocked out of him and i'm like dude that's weird and then it came time for the wind to get knocked out of me you remember the first time the wind got knocked out of you who remembers that you can't breathe like somebody hits you in the solar plexus you ever had that what are you laughing at sarah you better watch it the wind's gonna get knocked out of you and when the wind gets knocked out of you, you don't see it coming. It's like, like you can't breathe. But guess what? Give it a minute, you can breathe again. It's the same thing when you get hit in the battlefield. Just wait. You're going to be able to breathe again. And I speak that prophetically over your life and over the church. we got to stand our ground, and we need to be that advancing army like Eleazar, David's mighty men. I love this. Psalm 121, so good. I will lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Lift your eyes to the hills of Zion. Lift your eyes to the dwelling place of his presence. That's where your help comes from. And when it feels like everyone's retreating, don't grow weary. Stand your ground and cling to his promises. Stand your ground in what God has promised. Stand your ground on righteousness. Stand your ground on truth. Stand your ground on what the church has always stood for. Come on, somebody. Stand your ground on morality. Stand your ground regardless of fear of being canceled. Stand your ground no matter the cost. I love the line that you see over and over in 2 Samuel 23. And the Lord brought about a great victory. It's recapped in the midst of the succession of the kingdom where it's going to another level of glory because there's going to be battles you're going to face in life going to the next level of glory. But guess what? The Lord will bring about a victory just like He did in the past. He's going to do it again. Come on. Is there anyone in this place that's thank thankful that God gives us victory? Would you just give Him a shout of praise? Thank you, Lord. Number three, and I'll be closing in just a moment. An army that advances is a community that is not moved from the intent of God's heart. This one got me, man. I was preparing for this, and the, the other mighty men that the Scripture speaks of is Shama, which means astonishment. We should never move away from being astonished by the love of of God and the heart of God for us and all of humanity. A community, 
an army that advances is a community, a people that are not moved from the intent of God's heart. What does that mean? We should always be loving and reaching people. We should always be winning souls. We should always be looking to the harvest and then going out and being that laborer to reap the harvest. There's a great harvest the Lord wants to give us, but we have to be ready. We have to have our hearts open to people. We have to have our hearts open to broken. We have to be ready to make disciples. We have to be ready to pastor them. And I can't pastor all those people. There's pastors that are all throughout this congregation. We have to be ready for the harvest, a community that's not moved away from the intent of God's heart. Astonishment, being astonished. In Matthew chapter 9, this is so powerful. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, uh, he sends the disciples out. He reveals to them his heart before he sends them out into the harvest field. And in the end of chapter 9, it says this in verse 35 through 38. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And here's what it says. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. I want eyes like that. Where I look throughout the city of Rochester and my eyes see what he saw. I want to be moved with compassion. The intent of God's heart for humanity, an army that advances, always captures the heart of God for people, for one another, but also for the lost. And it goes on, it says, they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors in his harvest. Then in the next verse, Jesus answered his own prayer and sent out the, the disciples. In July of 2016, six years ago, I was at a conference. The Lord reminded me of this a few weeks ago for some reason. Uh, it just like popped in my head. And one of my worship leader heroes, Jonathan David Helser, I've been listening to his stuff since we planted the church, actually before we planted the church in like 2007. He was like an underground worship guy for a long time. And uh, it was back when like his music was on MySpace. That's how long ago it was. Um, some of you don't even know what MySpace is. It was pre-Facebook. But so Jonathan David Helser has been a profound influence on the Davidic psalmist anointing on my life. He's one of my heroes, one of my heroes. And I'm at a conference, and he was one of the guest worship leaders at this conference, which was cool. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. I've seen him lead in Vegas. I, we saw him one time at Bethel Church in Reading, some of the most profound worship I've ever experienced. It was incredible. You remember that, Rochelle? We were up front, and he's leading, him and his wife, and it was just so, the fear of the Lord just seized our hearts so I'm at this conference and it's a session where he's not leading in the moment he was actually sitting close by this was a, a friend of mine uh, uh, who was the main worship pastor at this church they would have big conferences thousands of people would come 
And, uh, and so we would get what's called Pharisee seats. That's what I call Pharisee seats, like the reserved seats in the front. I would text him like, hey, bro, can I get some Pharisee seats for the conference? I mean, like, and praise God for Pharisee seats because when Heidi Baker would show up, people would be on the floor, packed out. Like, there's, there was not a seat available in the house. And we had our little Pharisee seats up front. So we're sitting up front, and uh, Jonathan David was there in the room. And he was actually not too far from us. And I'm like, look, Rochelle, it's Jonathan David. Also. I'm like, That's my hero right there. And uh, we're worshiping, you know, doing our thing. And in the middle of me, I was just caught up in the presence of God. Jonathan David Elser walks over, puts his hand on my heart, and begins to prophesy over me. And I was like, man, this is my hero prophesying over me. And the Lord reminded me of this word. I didn't record it, but as soon as it happened, I tried to write it down. My wife took a picture of this moment. It was very powerful. It was six years ago to this month. And this is what the Word said, and I believe the Word applies to us. And I want you to hear it. Are you ready? How many are ready to be an advancing army of God? Come on. He put his hand on my heart, and he says, You have a different spirit like Caleb. Courage and faith. You're bringing something new. God has surrounded you with a team that are like special forces. Say, that's me. A team that knows you and carries your heart. He spoke about the absence of contention. Joshua and Caleb together, it would be like a watered garden. And then he said, God, bless this giant slayer, this warrior heart. And I pray that over you as we looked at the mighty men of David that carried the heart of David. David had a heart after God that we also would be, that warrior heart within us would be blessed. A reminder of why you said yes, that you can stand your ground, that you can move forward. We can keep the unity of the saints together we can keep fighting the good fight of faith. He said, bless this warrior heart. Fill your son with the father's affection. And he prayed refreshing over me. And he said, this is your son in whom you are well pleased. I speak that word over you. Would you lift your hands? I want to pray for you. I pray in the times that you feel like throwing in the towel, you would throw in the towel on throwing in the towel. No more. Never give up. Never give up. I speak courage. Faith. To be an advancing army of God. The people that are bond together in harmony. That are fully persuaded by the promises of God. And are not moved from the intent of His heart we would capture your heart for the lost. God, we are your special forces. We are your mighty men and women. We are your army. So breathe upon us. We may have got the wind knocked out of us. We may feel like we're the only one on the battlefield. But we're not alone. You're with us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 
we're astonished at who you are. We love you. Just release refreshing strength, refreshing strength over your people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.